This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. What in the name of God is going on with the White Sox? What? Huh? Like, listen, (laughs) the season ended. We know it. They traded everyone. You know, didn't get to... Many position players traded one, got rid of six pitchers, and okay, how we're going to compete next year? Uh huh. <laughs> and then that's it; their season's over, so you don't have to worry about the White Sox. And I was even apologizing for the fact that I was watching when when Tim Anderson had his moment. If that's what you want, that's to a very it. very kind way of putting it. Well, but I appreciate he, it. He squared up. He, you know, he got. He, I'm going to give you one of those and one of these. And, oh. So that happens. I think everyone's been there. You ever been knocked out? I've but, never been. Yeah. I've been in a lot of fights, and I've never been knocked yeah. out. Been jumped. Yeah. But never knocked out. Yeah. I've, I've taken a beating, but never, I've never gone down. Yeah. Uh, that's probably why I've taken a beating. At any rate. Um, <laughs> True. I've had, a, like a, I've had a lot of concussions just playing sports, sports. and, you know, just catching elbows and such. But I... I I don't know how to define what happened with Tim. And he got six games for it. We were expecting that. And then uh, and then the, the story came out. Jesse Rogers wrote a great story where he got into some of the, uh, the behind-the-scenes stuff and dragged that into the light of day. And, uh, and the Sox were forced to respond, and they did yesterday. And it was like... I mean, it was just the fascination of the abomination. I, I don't know how else to describe it. You just sat there kind of slack-jawed looking at everything that everybody was saying, trying to follow it on Twitter as it was ongoing, and then reading stories after. I I mean, the Sox are beyond a mess. Yeah, if you're a Sox fan, I mean, I think the next couple of days you definitely want to be listening to the show because you have two people that are emotionally bruised by whatever's going on in that organization. I think the worst part for me, Mully, is it's very reminiscent of a time in Chicago Bulls history, dollar in the bucket for me, um, where it seemed as though it was an organization that no no player wanted to go to. Yeah, There was a time where that was true for the Chicago Bulls. And I look at the White Sox right now and I say to myself, with everything going on, with the way the organization has been ran over the last couple of years, what player is actually out there and saying, hey, you know what? I want to be a member of the Chicago White Sox. No one. And that, that to me, is the unfortunate space that we're living in right now, that the team has created this space where it's, it's, it's unlikable. No one wants well, to play with that team. Well, the, the franchise is dysfunctional. And I think that as you move players around the league, and they did the right thing. They made some deals. We'll see how they turn out. Um, but as you allow players that have been here – to go to other teams, it is not beyond the pal to think of a teammate. And I'm not talking just about this year, but tur- turning to a guy and saying, hey, my agent says Chicago has it. What do you think of that team? Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. get, get in a car and drive in any other direction, right? <laughs> if I were you, I'd run over and just 
I just get on a city bus going anywhere and never look back. You do not want to wind up Pick on the a south direction. Side. And I think that that is going to be a problem. Now, mercifully, there are there is relatively little reason for Jerry to spend money anyway, right? I mean, they they had spent money on this team. I'm not saying they did it. They had a, you know a payroll that was all right. 25 million came off the books with all the trades. 18 and a half million comes off the books when Yasmani Grandal leaves. And I, you know, let's say they take that money and go into the market. As you say, who's coming? Who wants that who, money? <laughs> who, yeah. Hey, you know what? I, listen, I'm, I, I'm really tired. Um, maybe I'll go there for a year. Yeah. Like do the old Joe Kelly. Hey, you know, my, my arm, my shoulder, something's wrong. I'll just go rehab for two years and then get out of there. Yeah. That, that's about it. Or right? play, play well enough to know I can get traded to a contender yes. in the event that something happens. There you go. The other thing about that is with, with the money situation, you also know that you're not going to get a ton of it if you're trying to come to the Chicago White Sox. And I think that, to, to me, is the other issue as well, is that you yeah. know if you're a free agent, that might be the case. If you aspire for $100 million, the fact of the matter is, is that they've never given away a $100 million right. deal. And there's only three teams in MLB. You got Oakland, Kansas City, and the White Sox. And where are the White Sox right now? Well, they're in the conversation with Oakland and Kansas City. They're at, they're at part of the race to the bottom. I think they're the fourth worst team right now. And, you know, they can be all happy that they're winning. But, you know, where are you going? What are you doing? How are you getting better? And then you got Rick come out yesterday. He, he's kind of forced to talk. He even admitted, well, I, I, after the trade deadline, I didn't think I'd be talking to you guys so quickly. But unfortunately, there's so much horrible, uh. wretched news that I'm forced to be in the forefront. And and he basically kind of lawyered up, didn't he? I mean, he, Rick is himself an attorney, and he was able to kind of go into lawyer mode. And, you know, he took the Middleton thing, he, you know, you deny things, then you take them piece by piece, and there's a level of truth. That, you know, he apologized to us, right. to be honest. He said he you. wanted we, to come back. Yes. <laughs> so, I mean, okay. I mean, the guy, to me, if he really wanted to come back, if he really thought there was money here for him next year, why is he bad-mouthing him? So, I, I believe him. I don't think that there's any point. And his, his defensive response to it was, I said what I said. So that's standing by it, right? And then meanwhile, Lance Lynn is on with AJ. That was hysterical. The White Sox are a disaster. They're a train wreck. They're even worse than we thought. And here are the Cubs. They're a game and a half out. Now, they, they lost last night in the middle of the night in the rain. I didn't watch much of it after the rain delay. It was a two-hour and nine-minute Rain delay. Lengthy is healthy. And we have to get up and come in here. So yeah. I, I I looked over what happened. Danny Mendick, former White Sox, hit a uh, a home run for them, uh, for the Mets. So, you know, hey, there's Danny Mendick. That was about it. Definitely saw the last name and thought to myself, ah, it's always, it always hurts a little bit when you see something like that. Molly, let me ask you this. I think the issue for me, too, as a Sox fan, is that I, I don't even see a path for the Sox to turn it around. And I'm not talking about just, like, win a couple games. I'm talking about the franchise as a whole. I'm trying to think to myself, what if I was the GM, like, what were the moves that I would make in, immediately in order to, to to change things, change the culture, to get new people in, to, to change the conversations surrounding the White Sox? 
and it, I can't. And that's the that, and then, and I'm a, I'm a fan, and I'm looking. Oh, you know, yeah. usually you could be like, oh, if you trade this, you give me another pitcher, you do that, boom, we're gonna be right back in it. I cannot see a path for the Chicago White Sox to change the narrative of of this purgatory that they're living in of blind blind faith. I, I we we think we are going to be good, everything is going to be okay. I cannot operate in that space, nor can I see a situation or moves that can be made. So I'm curious in your mind. I'm probably sure you probably even thought of that, like. Right now, your arms are up, and you're like, let's just give me to the offseason. I, I think the problem, number one, is the disloyalty. And um, everybody, everyone calls it loyalty, that you're bringing back the same guys year in and year out to do the same jobs, regardless of, of any accountability. So the disloyalty of the owner is number one. Um, people call it loyalty, but it's disloyal to the fans. Mm. It is it is flat out his, his staying with the same plan Year in, year out, his interfering to bring in the manager, whatever way you want to piece it together, that's disloyal to the fan base. That's what it is. And and then you allow Rick to, okay, well, I shouldn't have put this guy on him. You hire your own guy. He doesn't want anybody that has experience. He doesn't have, want anybody. He wants someone that will listen to him. So he hires a guy that has been awful. He's just been bad. There's no way around it. He's He's trying to make friends, and you know maybe maybe he can you know make a deal with uh, with Kansas City to get someone in here that would like the manager. <laughs> that seems to be the the goal of the thing. Uh, they actually flirted around with that uh, at the trade deadline. So yeah, you know, I I just have this utter and complete lack of faith in the entire planning department. Let's put it that way. Imagine if you had all these roads and all this thing, you know, all of the things that you have to get done and fixed. And you've got a bunch of people that have proven they can't do it. And you just keep going back to the same well with them. That to me is the, is the problem. And if you don't get change, you're never moving forward. You know, did they make good moves? Do they have young pitchers that might be able to come up? You know, I saw, um, I saw uh, Eater, uh, pitched in Double A, right, and then uh, and then uh, Kelly came in after him. You remember that guy, Jared Kelly? They drafted him like out of high school. So there are guys like Thompson and him and different guys they had drafted a while ago, and none of them really have popped. And they're all getting to a point. You you would need three pitchers to come in and be really good. And really, I'm, by that I mean more more than like number two or threes. They're in a situation now where somebody was saying they're almost they have a, they have a um, an option with Mike Clevenger, and and a lot of this started, in my opinion, with that Clevenger signing, and then all that followed. That the drama, feels, that, yeah, that feels. I mean, that feels like it was three years ago, right. and that was the beginning of the whole thing. Clevenger right now is sitting there like, and you guys thought. I was going to be an issue. He yeah. thought, <laughs> well, and, and <laughs> no one's talking know, about him anymore. No, but he has an option. Are you going to bring that guy back? They got no starting pitching. Zero. I mean, they got they got Dylan Cease, who they're never going to give a hundred million to, let alone two hundred million. They got Michael Kopech, whatever that is. I don't. I don't <laughs> even know. I. I can't. I mean, to me, that guy is a you know fourth in the rotation starter. At best, it, yeah. I don't see him. I don't see. I don't. I don't 
think he can move to the bullpen and be effective. He seems like too much of a head case. I don't think you can rely on him. He's more like a fourth guy. So you would need to go out and get two good pitchers on the market and then hope that one of these, the multitude, can take the fifth starter spot and then try to go at it next year. But you got the same crew, the same players, the same problems, all of that. You got one guy on that team. You know, you might have had two because Berger played hard sure. and you liked him, but you know, I, I don't really have a problem with them trading him. They they were they're so poorly constructed with so many guys that are right handed power hitters, or I guess they have one left handed uh power hitter, if that's what he is. And, and <laughs> Sheets. Yeah, and Sheets. But but they got a bunch of guys playing out of position, and they're you know they they're just kind of poorly constructed. Yeah, I think so. You had to trade someone. Ultimately, what you're saying, Mully, is that there needs to be a a blowing up of the roster in order for you to have a vision of the team yeah. and and being on a path of being good again. Because you know when you're looking at some of the issues of the Chicago White Sox, one that's been constant. You've heard players mention it. You've heard people mention it is the lack of leadership in the in the in the, yes. in the clubhouse, and. Imagine how difficult it is if there is a core of players that have been around and none of those players want to be the leader, but you are then bringing in guys and they feel uncomfortable about taking a leadership yeah. role because there's yeah. a core of guys there that are playing. And then you, you can't create a culture because they are, their, they are their own institution by themselves. And then you bring guys in. So it does, it naturally creates this divide in the clubhouse. And I think, that's something that they weren't thinking. And Elvis Andrews, remember, the reason why they even brought him back this year is because of the impact he made on the team at the end of the season last year. I got a lot of time for him. I don't want to see him anymore. I'm saying. He's 34 years old. He's not part of the future. Ditto Grandal. Why? You, you got about 700 catchers now. You didn't have a catcher. <laughs> you got a young kid who's your number two prospect. Let him develop. Corey Lee is one of the guys they picked up. That guy was vying for a starting job in in Major League Baseball to open the season and didn't win it, and the other guy is their catcher of the future, so they felt good trading him. Get him in here now. What are you waiting on? Let's see what he can do. Let's get guys on the team that might be on the team. Because, you know, I, I when they signed Grandal, I, okay, great. Oh, they got a free agent. Guess what? He's not coming back. Mm-mm. What are you doing? Why? Why are you? What are you messing wait till with? You, wait, wait till you hear Grandal's exit interview with someone. Well, I mean, the problem is he kind of defend. He denied and he defended. He Shane had a story yesterday. Uh, I don't know, you know, where he got it. He said it was a good source that uh, he slapped Tim Anderson mm-hmm. uh, before the All Star break. You know, I I haven't. He just denied that flat out. So if that's true. Then he's a liar, but he flat out denied it. Well, what do you, Molly? What is going to come out? Say, Did you slap Tim Anderson before the? Yeah, you know we had a disagreement. I slapped the hell out of him, and you know you, that's I heard like a salt on a wound. Me, and he was in the he was yeah, in the cold tub. tub so I, yeah, the hot uh, tub, whatever. So I just let him have one before he could. Yeah, ah, that doesn't sound yeah, right. I didn't think he'd fight me naked, so I sneaked, <laughs> I snuck up and just whacked him one. I was going to punch him, but then I figured it was more disrespectful if I slapped him. So yeah, you know sometimes things like that happen in the in the clubhouse. Yeah. <laughs> If he had gotten up and come at me, I'd have slapped him on the rear end. How's that? Oh, man. I'd snap a towel at him. I, uh, I mean, the whole thing. It's yesterday. And as I'm saying, 
The Cubs are like the biggest story in town because of their excellence and the way they've been in contention. And all we're talking about is, the you know, dysfunction of the, the, White the Sox. clown car and like six guys get out <laughs> and they run around in circles and then one guy falls down and someone acts like he's going to revive him with a bucket of water, but it's just a lot of confetti. I, I mean, it, it's that's the White Sox. It's a comedy of errors for sure. It's the clown car. And now they've put together a three-game winning streak, and, and we're actually got half an eye on them because everyone in baseball knows of their defun- dysfunction. It's uh, pathetic. Yeah, I, I got to admit, I did I did open up the standings yesterday just to just to torture myself. There's 20 games. What are they? 14 out. No, no, but below 500. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Last year, they were 81 and 81, and it was one of the worst seasons we've ever seen. We complained and at, we did. at length. And what are they now? What, what 46, is and, 46 and 68. Oh Think God. about that, man. 68 losses on the season. Uh, 68. It's it's August 8th. 24 and they 29 at home, 22 and 39 on the road. That minus 90 run differential. You know what's funny is they they actually have a winning record in the division. And um, <laughs> if if the schedule was such where you were just playing the division, they may well still have won it. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's not the case. I think with this White Sox team, it's just like you. It was we all wanted to forget about them and have them fade away into the sunset, and so to have everything else is just adding insult to injury that's been happening here, especially with the knockout of Tim Anderson. Jeez, I got I have to talk to my family every day about the Cubs because they're all Cubs fans, and I'm the Sox fan, and I got to get videos of Tim Anderson sent to me now. I have to have uh, uh, you know Keenan Middleton's uh, (laughs) words being emailed to me. Like, it's like could it get any worse? And now it is. It's just. Tough time. Do, do you? I'm just curious. Do you do you think that Robin Ventura charging the mound and getting in a headlock and having his face pummeled by Nolan Ryan is that worse than Tim squaring up and then getting TKO? That's a great comparison, Mully. And I do remember that day vividly. And I do remember the level of embarrassment I felt for Robin Ventura when that happened. It's rough. And. I would say I probably I, I still think the Robin Ventura is probably a bit more embarrassing because Nolan Ryan was way past his prime at that point. He got, got him, you in the headlock. Got him in the headlock. <laughs> How many times did he hit him? It was like, yeah. a, oh. <laughs> whereas like at least Ta squared up through a couple punches. You know, it, it was a fight as opposed to the Nolan Ryan where it was just a <laughs> okay. 